Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Christian Celebration Center podcast. Our prayer is that this audio will encourage you in Christ and challenge you from God's Word. Enjoy the message. Amen. I have a word entitled uh, for you. If you're taking notes, which I want to encourage you to do, uh, you'll get a lot of good thoughts and a, a lot of good things that you can tweet. I, I'm, I love Twitter, things you can post on your Facebook page and all that kind of stuff, things you can throw on TikTok if, if, you're, if you're that kind of uh, person. That's cool. Today I want to give you a word called total surrender, and I want to kind of set the foundation real quickly why I have this word. There's a thousand different words uh, that I could share with you uh, over my years of traveling and speaking. For 16 years, I traveled six days a week just sharing the message of the gospel all over the world uh, here in the United States. Believe it or not, I, I preach way more in Michigan than I do down in the state of Ohio. Can you believe that? It's crazy. It is. It is. Maybe those Ohio folks are saved. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. At least you're following. Come on now. Thank you in Jesus' name. Now, um, I, this year for me is an important year in the life of our family. Not just for me and for my wife, but for our kids and for all those that we're connected to. And so in order for us to have a different year, we got to do something different. Come on now. If you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same thing. And so, therefore, God sometimes has to move you out of your comfort zone so that he can get something different out of you. Sometimes God has to upset the standard way of operating so that he can get you to place your full trust in him. So if you're in the place this morning, I want to say to you online in the house already, if you're in the place where, like, I have no clue of what God is doing, perhaps he's doing what he's doing to get your attention. You're like, Lord, you have my attention. He's like, no, I don't, because there's areas of your life that I've been trying to snatch away from you, and you refuse to let it go. Come on now. If you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> Come on now. I want to tell you of the te- I want to tell you of the tell of two people. Two people, the tell of two people, two stories I want to tell you from the scriptures. I'm going to move really, really quickly, so buckle up. Tap your neighbor and say buckle up. Come on. In Jesus' name. The tell of two people. This is a story that I love to share often. So let me go there. In Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 18, the word of God says this, a certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's clear that this individual knew that there was something more for him. And he went to the teacher. He heard something about Jesus, knew something about Jesus. And his first question to him was, what must I do to inherit Eternal life. Watch this. Verse 19 says this. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. He's saying here's the standard. You have seen good from me. You've uh, been able to experience good from me. But guess what? The good that I have comes from the Father that I serve. Come on now. That should be a testimony of all of ours that anything that's good that I have, that I experience, that I possess, comes from the good Father that I serve. Everything that's good about me is a derivative of who he is. Somebody say amen. Now watch this. It gets even better. He says this. You know the commandments, Jesus said, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. All these, the man said, watch this, I have kept since I was a boy. Let me just give you the revised Cornell version of that. He's like, listen, I've been there. I've done that. I've done it. I have my proverbial checkbox, and I've crossed the list. I went to church, check. I gave to missions, check. I gave to the Salvation Army, check. I was a part of City Serve, check. I did all those things, and all those things are right. 
But watch this about Jesus. This is a story that I know you've heard me share, a story that you've heard many times. Watch this. Verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Now, isn't it like Jesus to be totally honest with us and find that part of our life that we have not surrendered to him? Come on now. Oh, you know you're in trouble now. Come on now. Just buckle up. Come on now. You know you're in trouble. Jesus is like, like your mama. She can always tell you the spots in the areas in your life where you can still get better. Come on now. Come on now. All the mamas out there said amen. You can always tell your child I love you and I'll give my life for you, but this is an area where you need to grow and mature. What I'm saying to you is Jesus loves us enough. You can write this on your notes, champ. Listen, Jesus loves us enough to be honest with us. In a world that loves, loves to pat, our, to pat its flesh, in a world that loves to uh, cater to you just so you, you can be a part of what they're doing and being a part of their side that they can get your likes, Jesus is like, I'm not about that action. I'm all about getting you in a position where the Father knows that you're 100% in line with his will for your life. He says this, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. He said, watch this, y'all. I don't want to get too theological on you this morning. I just want to say this. He said, the proof of your desire to get what you asked for, you asked the question, is your willingness to sacrifice what's important to you. Listen, until, listen, listen, not in my notes. Until you learn the power of sacrifice, you will never see exponential, exponential growth in your relationship with Jesus. Let me say that again. You like Pastor Glenn, say it again. Let me slow it down. Until you learn the principle and power of sacrifice, you will not see exponential growth in your walk of Christ. Why is that, Cornell? Here's the reason why. Because the very definition of discipleship begins with self-sacrifice. He says, if you want to be a follower of me, you must deny yourself. That's the first rule of discipleship. And so, my brother, what we must understand is this. As we come to Jesus, we lose more of ourselves. And here's the litmus test for you. I can get to the end of the sermon right now. If we're not losing more of who we are and not gaining more of who he is, then we're not progressing. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter how much service you provide. All those things are good, but they are a derivative of the most important thing, which is sacrificing who we are for who he is. He says this, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. There needs to be a divine swap here. It needs to go from the, from the, from the temporal to the eternal. From that which is on earth to that which is in heaven. Watch this. He says this, verse 23. When he heard all of this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. He was very wealthy. This was the rich. This was the, the Bible tells us this is one of the, uh, a certain ruler. The Bible says it in other, uh, other books in the gospel. We know that individual to be the rich running ruler. Now we see this guy. Let's go to the next guy. A guy I really love, and I, I'll probably always speak on him when I come to CCC because I love him so much. Go ahead and hit me. Watch this. I want you to see this next story. Slide your finger over to the next chapter. This is Luke 19. Luke 19. We're just going to read eight verses here. I love this story. It says this. Jesus was entering Jericho and was passing through. Jericho is one of those uh, cities in which Jesus always had interaction uh, at. But this particular time, it was his last time coming through Jericho. 
And just because it, was, it, because it was his last time, Jesus had business to do. He wanted to make sure before he headed to Calvary that he would do what he needed to do in the city. And he had one thing on his mind while here. It says this, verse 2, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was balling. Come on now. That's my translation. Come on now. He was rolling in it. Come on now. Come on now. His stocks were up, man. The business was booming, right? He was living the good life in Jesus' name. That's just my version of it. Watch this. It says this in verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, come on now. Amen to all the short people out there with known in the Bible. Come on now. Watch this. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. There's so much I always want to say when I preach this, this text from this text, and I preach it often, quite a few times a year. But the fact of the matter is his stature didn't cut short his desire to seek Jesus. His situation didn't stop him from trying to pursue the person that could radically change his life. Obviously, he heard something about Jesus that, des that gave him the desire to see him firsthand. And, brother, what I want to say to you this morning is this. Get sick and tired of hearing what Jesus is doing for others and experience him for yourself. Somebody say amen. Dad, I want to know Jesus myself. I'm glad what he's done for you, you, and you. But guess what? I want to experience him firsthand for myself. Can you say amen? What are you saying? Watch this. It's really, really simple what happens. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. That phrase, ran ahead, is the Greek word pro-treco. It's two words. Pro means before. Treco means to run. So he ran ahead. It's like beating someone to a given spot. It's like the first one gets there, gets the, gets the prize. So there was something that he needed to do. The Bible says he did something that no one else in Scripture had ever done. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. The Bible says this, verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. See, Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus, but I got news for you, my friends. Jesus was looking for him. Some of y'all are searching for Jesus, but guess what? Jesus has always been searching for you. In the name of Jesus, what are you saying? Watch this. I'm saying this. He says, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Verse 7 says this. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe a Savior looking for a sinner? Come on now, right? Even the religious said this, like, oh, my goodness. I can't believe they're healing people over at the hospital. Like, like what? Like what? Watch this. But Zacchaeus stood up because he must have heard or felt the murmuring of the folks. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, mm, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And for those who are... Um, Biblical scholars, those who know the word enough, know that he was referring to the law that's presented in the Old Testament about repayment. We don't need to go into that. The fact of the matter is this was an act of repentance. It wasn't just him talking about wanting to be with Jesus. He, he demonstrated it in his actions. See, listen, you don't ever have to ask a tree. <laughs> you don't ever have to ask an apple tree if it has apples. Why? Because you can see it. And I'm saying this to you, CCC. My desire in my life is that I don't even have to tell you who I represent 
unless I desire to or want to or directed to it, you should see the love of Jesus all on me. There has been many times in my life when people say, there's something different about you. Here's the deal, champ. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a knucklehead that's in love with Jesus because he's in love with me. They should be able to see the work of Christ Jesus in you just like they see the work of an apple tree producing apples. Somebody say amen. Right? Come on now. In Jesus' name, what are you saying? Watch this. Let me just get to this. He says this, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. What I want to say to you is this. Let's take a quick, some quick observations of this. Let me just do this real quick. Some quick observations. Go ahead and hit me. It's clear that you can seemingly have everything and, not, and still not be fulfilled. That's, the, that's the, the deception of the age. I can have everything I want and still have nothing. I've tried to acquire the house. I've tried to acquire the boat. I got a hog sitting in the garage. Come on now. I got all these things, but still there's something missing in my life. That's indicative of the realities that eternity is beckoning you forward. So I can amass all I want to, but if I haven't had or placed Jesus in his right spot in my life, I'm just fooling myself. And I want to just declare to you, CCC, today, this year should be the year of changing that, that whole thought process. The motif of your life should be that of me being in hot pursuit of who Christ Jesus is. Because at the end of the day, that's what's going to make the difference. Thank you for saying amen. Can I tell you this? Look at this. For some people, getting better, doing better, and being better is too high of a cost to pay. While for others, the cost proves the value of what's being apprehended. Every once in a while, my wife and I are able to go to a super nice restaurant. I'm sure y'all have many around here. Come on now. I'm talking about the nice restaurant, the one you only go to every five years. Come on now. Because it has those five money signs behind it. Come on now. I'm like, I'll wash the dishes. Come on now. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is the reason why the price is so high is because the quality of the food and the experience commands that. See, here's the deal. This is not in my notes, so stick with me for a second. We love the bargain kind of faith. Oh, no, y'all ain't with me. Let me say it again. We love a bargain kind of faith. We want God to hook us up. Come on now. We want Jesus to slide me a free one. But the fact of the matter is he died for you, and that is the most costly and the most free at the same time. What I'm saying is, let me, let me really get in trouble. Back in the day, there used to be this store called Gabriel Brothers. Anybody ever heard of that? You guys have them up here. It's a store called Gabriel Brothers. They changed it and kind of modernized it, and now they call it Gabe's. But back in the day, people loved going to Gabriel Brothers because you can go to Gabriel Brothers and get name brand clothing at discounted prices. Y'all follow me? Just wave your hands. Name brand clothing at discounted prices. The problem with Gabriel Brothers back in the day is you can get a Louis Vuitton shirt, but there would be no places for buttons. You, you can get Levi's jeans, but the pocket was tore off. You can get nice Nike shoes, but the soles were talking. Come on now. 
People were so happy to get the deal that they forgot that it wasn't the quality that it originally was. And that's what I'm saying with our faith. That's what I'm saying. We have to recognize that there is no shortcutting the gospel. There's no shortcutting what God wants for you. He's never going to relax what he's doing on you. He loves you enough to give you heaven's very best. And he won't settle for anything less from us. What are you saying today, Cornell? I'm simply saying this to you, my friend. The cost for what Jesus is drawing you to is worth it. It's worth it. Can I tell you this? Listen, being positioned for heaven is simply as responding humbly or as difficult as holding on to your pride. I'm talking to the man or the woman out there where you know that God has been calling you and tugging on your heart to release this or to get rid of that. And you're just like, no, I will not do it. Today, I'm talking about total surrender. I'm not talking about the thought of surrendering. I'm not talking about even entertaining the idea of giving something up. I'm talking about that which God has been begging you for. Because your relationship with him hinders on it having its place and him having his proper place. See, the fact of the matter is this, and don't, excuse me if this comes across the wrong way, but the fact of the matter is this, we are settling for the idols in our hearts. And Jesus says, I died that you didn't have to depend on those things. See, the ruler didn't want to let go of his money. But I wanted to tell you, here's reality, my friends. When it comes to my money and my eternity, I want my eternity to win. My eternity with Jesus to win. There's nothing more valuable than me spending eternity with Jesus. And I know you're, yeah, good, yeah, you're right, I'm with you. I'm with. But watch this. Examine your life and see where the idols are and surrender those things over to Jesus. And watch the great things he begins to do in it. In Jesus' name. What are you saying today? Can I tell you this? I want you to know this. Heaven exists for those that truly, that those that truly know that they are truly needing God, that they truly need God. Heaven will be made up of people that made the decision to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. In other words, you won't be able to slide in. Some of y'all think it's just going to be like, okay, when it's time to get right, that's when I'm going to get right. And I'm sorry to say to you, the Bible makes it clear God will not be mocked. It says you will reap what you sow. What are you saying today? Can I tell you this? Jesus made it incredibly clear. He made it incredibly clear. In Mark chapter 8, verses uh, 34 and 35, he says this. Then Jesus called the crowd to himself along with his followers. He said this. If people want to follow me, they must give up the things they want. They must be willing <laughs> even to give up their lives to follow me. He's saying my value in the heaven I offer is greater than anything you can ever experience here on earth. And let me just say this to somebody. I don't know who I'm talking to, whether in this room or online. For me, at the stage of life that I am, at 51 year old, years of age, my desire is to set such a standard a pursuit of God, not my children would want to follow it. That my children want to follow behind me. Now, I know my son and my daughter are going to make their own mistakes. I know that they're going to go their own way. 
but I want to make it easier to give them some kind of example to follow. So let me say this very bluntly to you, CCC. What are your children seeing? What are your coworkers seeing? What are your parents seeing? What are they examining that would say, you know what, something has changed in their lives. What once was important to them doesn't even matter to them because of the Jesus they say they're now serving. See, I can tell you this. What are you saying? Listen, losing anything for Jesus' sake is an incredible gain for your sake. Somebody say amen. If I lose anything for Jesus, it's only better for me. When I made the decision 25 years ago to make Kristen Dawn read my wife, I was saying I'm forsaking all others for her. And every day I'm reminded of that fact on so many levels. By the ring on my finger, by the look in her eye, by the time she cared for me, the time she support me. I wonder what our lives would be like if we said, I want you, but I also want everything else. Can't say amen, say ouch. That is what God desires of us. What are you saying today, Cornell? It's not a lot of hallelujahs in this one. I get it. Come on now. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Faith in Christ Jesus will never be cheap because the blood he shed for us is precious, priceless, pure, and powerful. The blood he shed for us is precious blood. It's a priceless blood. It's a pure blood, and it's a powerful blood. We shouldn't expect to get all of Jesus without surrendering all of ourselves to him. See, that's the kind of American Western culture we live in. You hook me up, I'll hook you up. Well, Jesus didn't hook up anyone. He hung up for everybody. Write that in your notes. <laughs> he didn't hook up anyone. He hung up for us all. And for those who have crucified themselves according to the gospel, they now hang there for others to see and to follow. I'm wondering this morning, what area of your life have you not given over to him? See, God wants all of us, every one of us, every bit of us. Bro, I want you to notice, mama, I want you to notice, he wants our good, our bad, and our ugly. And until God can get all of us, he will not relent until he does. You want to know why you're struggling? You want to know sometimes why you're thinking? You want to know why sometimes God allows you to go through the process? Because it's all a move to draw you closer to him. And then when you get closer to him, you start to discover how awesome he is, and you just want more of him. And if you're somebody like me, I'm like, what took me so long, God? Why did I wait so long? Watch this. See, <laughs> I want you to understand, I had to surrender a lot for myself. You don't know this part of my story, but I grew up in a single parent at home. Eight other brothers and sisters, five brothers, three sisters, one of them older, two of them younger. I'm the youngest of all the boys, no, lucky number seven, right? You're like, what's going on? I'm like, my oldest brother, Terry, was like 6'3". He was like 302. I mean, this was a beast of a guy. I mean... I know y'all, y'all, see, 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 you're looking at me like, well, what happened to you? And I like to say, mama was tired. Come on now. Come on now. Touch your neighbor and say that's a good one, right? She's tired by the time she got to me. Lucky number seven out of the nine. Listen, can I tell you this? We need to understand that the Lord is not out to fight us. He comes to forgive us. 
He comes to forgive us. The love of Jesus compels us to draw to him and say, I want what you want for me. I thought I had it together, but really I was just falling apart. So I had to make the shift and demonstrate true intelligence, true wisdom, true humility and say, Lord, the way I've been doing it is incorrect. Let me submit myself to you. Let me say this to somebody right on the camera. If the way that you're doing it isn't working, there's another way for it to be done. And I want to suggest to you that it's the Jesus way to be done. Because all Jesus can offer you is success. God's hands are big enough to handle our hurts. And they are soft enough to hold our hearts. Come on, somebody. Big enough to handle our hurts, whatever it is. And soft enough to handle our hearts. Let me begin to bring this message home right here. Listen. <laughs> my desire is that we would all surrender. We would all grab the white flag and demonstrate to God it's open. Time to wave the flag. The white flag. What is that all about? Let me show you this. Go ahead and hit me. The waving of a white flag. Check this out. This is so good. The waving of a white flag is an internationally recognized sign of true ceasefire and a call for negotiation. Come on, somebody. That's real good. Come on now. It's also used to symbolize surrender since it is often, watch this, the weaker party which requests the negotiation. <laughs> Come on now. I'm getting my tail whooped and I need to call a truce. And all the men out there, all the women out there, all the mamas out there, it's time that we examine ourselves. This is not about salvation at this moment. This is about where your life is and what you are holding on to that God is calling you to let go. Every man and woman in this place, even online, has something that they can give over to Jesus. Something that will allow them to draw that much closer. The devil has been trying to keep it in your hands, and God has been trying to pry it out. So today I make the choice, Jesus, to wave the white flag. Can I tell you this? Watch this. This is so, so good. Watch this. A white flag signifies to all that an approaching negotiator is unarmed with an intent to surrender or a desire to communicate. I'm waving this flag to say, God, it's over. All the strife. All the struggling, all the negotiations. Anybody want to be honest with you, with me, and say that's what, that was you? How many of you always made deals with God? Well, Lord, if you please get me out of this situation, if you please get my bank account right, I'm going to go to Russia. And you're still in Midland. Come on now. I'm just saying. I don't know if that's you, but that's me. I made all these deals with God. Listen, a white flag signifies to all that an approaching negotiator is unarmed with the intent to surrender or a desire to communicate. Persons carrying or carrying waving a white flag are not to be fired upon, nor are they allowed to open fire. Watch this. What are you saying today, Cornell? What are you saying? Beloved, I'm asking the worship team to come. Listen, beloved, let today be the day. The day you stop running. Mm. Stop hiding. Stop pretending. Stop putting off Jesus. Stop the excuses and stop doubting his forgiveness and power to save you. Let today be the day that the thing that you struggle with the most 
has been laid down before Jesus. Wave your proverbial white flag. I know I've come to talk to somebody today. There's a million sermons I could have preached, but God pinpointed this one again. There's people out there that are holding on to things that they think is their security blanket. Linus, it's time to put it down. If you find your security in the blanket, you'll never find your security in your Savior. You can put your trust in your education. You can put your trust in so many things, and they will all fail you time and time again. I'm telling you that. I went to school for law. I went five years to study pre-law when I knew there was a call of God on my life. And so I did what everybody would do. God was like, I'm ready for you, Cornell. I'm like, I'm glad you're ready. I'm not. Come on. Lord, let me make this money. Marry this fat wife, this girl that looks so good. Get this huge house. Get out the ghetto. That's what I said. Get out. Lord, let me do my thing, and then I'll do your thing. How many of y'all know God was like, please? Please. And then there came that moment when I started seeing the way I was doing life wasn't working out the way it was meant to be. And I had to start to wave the white flag. The question on the table for everybody in this house, what is the white flag you need to wave? God, I give up my anger. I cease control of my business. Last year, Pastor, God called me to pray for all of our businessmen and women. It was just a random thought. And we called them all up and we laid hands on them, anointed them with oil. Ever since that time, to a person, all of them have seen the blessings of the, Lord, of the Lord over their businesses because they had to surrender it over to Jesus. What do you need to surrender today? Those online, what do you need to surrender? Thank you for listening. You know, we believe God has something amazing in store for you today. And now is the perfect time to take a few moments and pray about what you just heard. If this message spoke to you, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to office at cccmidland.com or connect with us on your favorite social media at CCC Midland.